When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are Qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacey.com and ladieswholondon.com for more information about our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours as well as what the blue badge guiding qualification is all about boom boom i did it i did it <laughs> i'm back you're Hello. back baby you're back i am i am mostly recovered i mean honestly how ridiculous is this you go and have a baby and don't even take a week off i get a little bit of a cough and i'm like no i can't do the podcast <laughs> yes, i'm going it. to die oh mate shall i um no, I was going to suggest that I play the recording that you sent me, the voice message on WhatsApp, oh. because you, your voice, it it gone. I was, yeah, and I've still, I, I had a chest infection, and it was, it was not pleasant, and it's still, it's still lingering a little bit. But oh, I'm, God. I sound a little bit like a man today. But we're gonna power I'm through anyway. For it, you sound yeah. great. <laughs> I, can't, I can't laugh because it makes me cough. So this is going to be a fun one. <laughs> Oh, but you look well. Oh, thank you. Yes, I look a lot better than I did last week. I tell you that much. Oh, well, but thank you so you. much to Lottie and Fiona for covering oh. so fantastically and very last minute as well. Bless them. Um, yeah. They were roped in at the last moment to uh, to take over from me on my deathbed. Um, so thank oh, you yeah. so much, ladies, for doing a sterling job. And it was a great episode. Oh, they were so much fun. And um yeah, yeah. I'm slightly lovely. worried I'm out of a job now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, of course not, Lacey. Of course not. Yeah, it was, um, it, was a, it was a lovely one. I really enjoyed listening to it, even if I was slightly feverish as I was doing so. Oh, um, you. But, but you're back. back, baby. You're back. I'm back. And how are you? I'm good. Although, bloody hell, I've been bitten by so many mosquitoes. Oh, no, really? Oh, mate, I can't tell you. I'm, you know, like I get really paranoid about them anyway because, like, I, as soon as I just touch it or even look at it, it comes up in a big bump. And just around my room, you know, when, like, you can just hear the... Yeah, it just comes back. It's like, oh, God, where is it? Just, like, smacking myself, hoping that I've got it. You have to turn the light on and do battle with them. Yeah, yeah. and I've been... Um, I didn't want to put DEET on because I'd rather they get me than Carmen. So I've just yeah. been sacrificing myself to the, oh, bless you. the devils. And talking of Carmen, she did accompany us this week because we went out. We had a very, very busy podcast day on Thursday of this week, just gone. Oh, God, yeah. um, and she came with us, didn't she? Because we did a little a little bit of an outside recording uh, for somewhere that is hopefully going to come up in a future podcast, um, assuming the, the wheel allows us. Um, because we went to the Brunel Museum, didn't we? 
Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, we got shown around the Brunel Museum by the lovely Catherine who works there. And um, yeah, we we did a little on-site interview. We did, because of course we did the, um, well, you did the fantastic story of the Thames Tunnel a couple of weeks ago um, with the um, the Brunels building this amazing tunnel. And, and they, they heard the podcast and got in touch and asked us to go down, which was great. Mm. So hopefully in the not too distant future, we'll have an opportunity to play that on a future podcast because we're hoping that we'll get a, a chance. We'll crowbar in the Brunels again at some point. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they do have a little offer for our listeners as well, which we're going to tell you about when that happens. They do. Yeah, a good cheeky do. offer, actually. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. We've got you an exclusive yes. podcast. <laughs> you're really excited freebie. about. And then we had a couple of chats, didn't we, with, um, with some people, including a rather exciting interview that we've got coming up. Yeah, it was all go last week. It really it? was, yeah. It really yeah, was fun stuff. So we've for... we had a, a, a an interview with um, a particular arm of the BBC uh, to do with the podcast, which we think is out next week, but might be this week. It's a Friday, isn't it? It's going to be a Friday. Be a they Friday. weren't hundred percent sure which one it was, but we think it's next week. So we're going to tell you a little bit more about that next uh, next week's podcast. Um, but we have some exciting uh, some exciting news coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. <laughs> but we're going to leave you in suspense with that just a little bit longer um, yeah. while we do this week's um, this week's podcast. This week's pod. And on that note, well, before we yeah. charge into this week's pod. We've got to talk about um, the crux points of last week's podcast. Yes, the podcast pedestal. And thanks so much for Fiona and Lottie. Actually, I was slightly worried when you said they could pick one together. They were going to come to blows over what they wanted to pick. A second. I was yeah. like, oh, hang on a minute. How am I going to handle this? Um, but they but didn't. No, they were very gracious and kind of merged yeah. both of their thoughts together. Yeah. And so, so what did they pick? I'm going to let so you... They picked uh... Emerging from the Darkness... Um, which, um, from what I remember, um, is when it kind of, it turned from, um, we're just going to kind of open up this beefsteak club to, yeah. right, we're really bloody serious about it and we're going to create some uniforms. So Fantastic. that was theirs. <laughs> or yours. Or mine, yeah. yeah. Um, and mine was the buttons, which had a little motif on each yeah. button of a grid iron, which, you know, I think just says so much about the the details and the uh, the importance of the club yeah we, which was a great choice because it was so sort of visual i could really see see the gridiron buttons there i thought it was, i thought it was fantastic and i love the stories and honestly the the cheese in the beard and the <laughs> oh the silly hats so and oh my goodness it was it was absolutely fantastic i really enjoyed it oh. <laughs> so if you were to choose would you have gone i mean did you choose my buttons did you vote for me i didn't vote for either actually i probably oh. should have voted for myself shouldn't i <laughs> um no, I didn't vote. I thought I would stay very impartial and keep out of that, even though I had skin in the game. Uh, but no, I, I, I didn't vote on that one. But I probably, what would I have picked? Oh, I, it was a very good choice, but I was struggling actually to think what I would have picked myself. So I'm happy with, with what they chose. Yeah. Okay, good. So do you want to break The results. The yeah. results. Um, quite a split this week. Okay. 51.5% to 58.5%. <sighs> Yeah. Which way do you think it's gone? Well, actually now I'm thinking it thinking of it, because it was Fiona and Lottie, maybe they kind of um I don't know, got Tag Team the Voting. Tag team the voting. So Well, they would not be so 
unprofessional because you've won it this week. <gasps> and I won it. Yeah, you won it. Yes. She's yes. coming back. She's yes. back on the attack. Yes. <laughs> oh, excellent. If I had buttons on my shirt, I would I would kiss them. I would kiss every <laughs> one of them. <laughs> so well done. Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much, Alex. A thank win. You. A win for Emily. Wow. Very good choice. So last week, the when you spun the wheel, in my absence, uh, it landed, where did it land? It landed in St. James, St. James's. Mm. And what I think was very interesting is that I'd given you a whole list of stuff <laughs> um, and you properly picked the hardest one on the entire list. And I'd put it on the list as a, as a kind of, I really want to do this, but it's quite tough. So I'm going to leave it for a while. And then you picked it, threw me <laughs> under the bus. But that's good. That's good. It, no, no, no. It forced me um, to kind of go and... And write it up because it's something I'm, I'm super interested in, um, which are the sumptuary laws. This is something I'm quite fascinated by historical fashion. Um, I've done a couple of courses on it, forgotten it all immediately, but I still find it really interesting. And one of the things that I found really fascinating are the sumptuary laws, particularly the ones in the Elizabethan era. Do you know anything about this? The only thing I know is what Fiona said last week, which she said it's it's colours and fabric and like all things material based. I'm gathering. Yeah, well, actually, it's not exclusively material, but okay. but for the purposes of this, it is um, this week. So, a sumptuary law is basically a law that was passed, and this is not exclusive to the UK. I should say. Um, sumptuary laws have been around since the Romans and have appeared in a variety of different um, countries across the world, including actually, I think at one point in America, right at the very start of everything being um, kind of colonised over there. Um, but basically, it is a law which restricts uh, certain products, um, clothing, food, a whole variety of stuff, depending on your social class. Oh. Yeah. And I find this hilarious because, of course, I'm. Um, Anyone who knows anything about about England, about the UK, knows that one of the things that that the Brits love more than anything, particularly in history, but still to this day in certain places, is kind of this obsession with class and where you are in the social hierarchy and and where you belong and and all this kind of thing. I couldn't care less about class, but I find it a fascinating obsession in in a variety of different bits of history. I think it's really really funny how much emphasis is put on it. Mm, absolutely. And, and so these laws basically were brought in to say, you can't wear this, you can't eat that, you can't do that unless you are of this rank or that rank or whatever. And the first ones to be brought in actually go far beyond the Elizabethan. In the, it was in the 1300s that the first sumptuary laws were brought in. And if you think about England in particular in this time, it, it's all the feudal system, right? This big pyramid of, you know, the, the king and the nobles and all the rich chaps at the top of this pyramid. And at the bottom, you've got all the peasants and the workers and the serfs and, you know, all of that at the bottom of this giant pyramid. And they're all working and making money, which then sort of trickles up the pyramid all the way to the top. So one of the things that they, you know, everyone knew their place in the feudal system. One of the things that they would know very very easily is is what class you are and therefore where you are and what kind of rights you have and if you need to look at somebody and figure out what class they are because of course that's incredibly important just to look at somebody and go oh you're a rich one or you're a poor one um how are you going to do that on first sight well one of the ways is literally by looking at them and looking at what they're wearing mm. and so we see the first kind of laws coming in to basically control the different types of fabric um that you can wear 
And in this, in the 1300s, 1400s, there's a, a massive increase in Europe in wealth in the social classes, so the, the middle and lower middle classes, and particularly kind of artisans and merchants and, and this huge kind of merchant economy starts building. Gold is coming into a country um, based on the trade. And if you are exporting loads of finished things, fabric, um, cloth, whatever it might be you're exporting, the more gold is coming into the country. So the more gold is coming in, the more expensive or the richer these people are getting, the more they can afford, very simply. Mm. We get to the, the Black Death in the 1300s. Populations, I'm sure you're aware, you know, Black Death is, is pretty devastating for the population of Europe and the population goes massively down. So property starts to move around. But what it also means is that the peasants and all the people at the bottom of the tree, there's a lot fewer of them in that bottom of the pyramid. So wages are going to rise because people are going to start realising they've got options. They can therefore earn more. And previously kind of bonded labourers are suddenly more free and they're making more money. So we start to see a little bit of kind of upward mobility and people having more money to be able to buy stuff. How do you reckon this is going to go down with the nobles and the aristocracy? Well, they're not going to be happy about it because if they're, you know, walking down the street and suddenly... Pat, who's usually wearing, you know, some curtains. Pat Butcher. Trousers. <laughs> yeah, let's say Pat Butcher is suddenly, you know, walking down with a little bit of ermine fur because she can now afford it. Mm. They're not going to be too happy, are they? Exactly. And in fact, they're going to be more than not happy. They're going to be pretty damn peeved because, of course, that's all their right. You know, it's their right to dress fabulously and all this kind of thing. So what happens is that um, Henry VIII... Um, Queen Elizabeth I's father, very famously, he decides it, this massive big merchant class is growing and people are kind of aiming for upward social mobility. And he goes, right, I need to make a distinction here. I want these lower levels to know their place. And he got his knickers in a bit of a twist. I don't know what fabric the knickers were, but still. And um, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, whatever, probably silk and gold and all that. Yeah. And he updates these original laws to take this into consideration as his daughter Mary the first does, and then his daughter Elizabeth the first, properly goes big on this. So this is where we see the Elizabethan sumptuary law. So what what do they do? So the the law it kind of it's a Latin um, phrase, the, the sumptuary uh, bit, and and the law dictionary describes them as laws that are made for the purpose of restraining luxury or extravagance, particularly against inordinate expenses for apparel, food, and furniture, etc. So, you know, only certain people can buy from John Lewis, basically, is kind of what they're saying. Right. Of course, the, the headline of this law, if, if you were actually to say, oh, we're bringing this in so that you, we keep you lot in your place, so that you know where you are, that's not going to go down very well. So they have other reasons why they're bringing in these laws. What, what kind of other reasons do you imagine they could bring in for, for these laws to come? I don't know, because what would make you be completely okay with the fact that you know, there's basically this box and we're going to keep the same kind of people like you in this box. Could it be like like-minded people so that you have the same kind of things to talk about? Yeah, there's a bit of that, of sort of being able to kind of, uh, yeah, be able to then mix with the, the right people of your standing and therefore not sort of stand out or be, you know, that kind of thing as well. There's an element of that. They also, one of them is, is they say, oh, we're protecting you. This is, this is the name of protecting the people. We don't want people to kind of overindulge in fine clothes. You need to live within your means. 
So we don't want you to kind of overstretch your finances, basically. So oh, right. Oh, I see. It's so almost a little bit like, of We're of... looking after you in terms yeah. of like, you know, you're not going to go crazy. You're not going to suddenly go, oh, it's Saturday. Let's do a big shop because this is how far you can go. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't don't kind of overspend and, and lead, you know, re- lead yourself into rack and ruin and all of that stuff. But they also, one thing that Elizabeth really wants to do as well is to um, try and curtail a little bit of of, um, trade coming in from abroad she wants people to buy from England so she wants homemade cloth to be bought she wants all the stuff that is going to boost the the English economy she wants people to be buying and so as a result all the fine stuff the silks the taffetas all of this kind of thing which are coming in particularly um, dyed fabrics Mm -hmm. coming in from Europe that means that they're getting the business aren't they we're not getting the business Mm. so there's a, f- a few reasons that, that kind of go into all of this. And one of the things is in um, during Henry's reign, um, a couple of countries, France, Holland, Germany in particular, they've started growing plants partic- specifically for dyeing um, fabrics. Oh, wow. OK. And so by saying, you know, we ca- you're not allowed to buy imported stuff unless you're above a certain rank. Yeah. means that they're kind of controlling that trade of that thing. And they're therefore not making France, Holland, Germany, other places richer because of course we might have to fight them at some point we don't want them to be richer than we do so there's a lot of kind of self-preservation going on here it's kind of bizarre gosh because i know that um was it elizabeth who uh, you know if you were wearing purple then this was something that uh, you couldn't do and you could potentially lose your head for it absolutely purple is a very particular one so one of the things um that, that she does is she controls um in, in these laws and actually she brings in about 12 different laws over her her reign which is huge amount. she obviously just kept going oh and another thing oh and hang on what about your horses oh and what about your roughs and like and literally as well exactly there's all these kind of extra bits and she she starts going oh, hang on what about the length of swords and like it literally is down to that kind of level yeah and one of them is colors and purple there's a restriction on purple the only people allowed to wear purple are close members of the royal family so yeah that is something that you can get into trouble for say you know what would happen if you were to wear purple well something like purple would be pretty tricky because purple is one of the reasons why purple is only for the royal family is the dye the stuff that's used to dye it um is a really really expensive dye it comes from like a a kind of mollusk a sea creature that was found in one particular area Mm. in the mediterranean and it needed something ridiculous like 90 of the shells to make one tiny little amount you know so huge amount of money so realistically normal people that that's almost like a self-policing one because normal folk at the bottom just wouldn't be able to afford it it. can you imagine i'm like you know like Willy wonka where he suddenly gets home and he opens the chocolate bar and there's this golden ticket You know, yeah. suddenly, like, for whatever reason, somebody's found, like, um, I don't know, like a purple shoe or, you know, someone's dropped a little bit of purple fabric and it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> or salute it, put it in the middle of the table. Ah. Yeah, I mean, you just you just wouldn't be able to do it. And, yeah, if, if you wore that to court, I mean, it, the, in theory, you probably could possibly be executed, I think, realistically. Uh, it, it doesn't seem that that ever really happened that much. You could get fined and things like this. But, re- you know, if you're in court with the Queen, you're not going to wear purple. Because no, that's the rule and she's going to see it. Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, so it's, in theory, yes, you could, but realistically not not quite so much. One of the things, I want to read you just a little section. So the, the actual um, statutes, you can read them online and they're really in-depth and really quite bizarre. And the amount of sort of wording in there is is 
so incredibly detailed. It's it's hilarious. But I want to read you just a little bit of it to give you a sense of the kind of language that's being used. So it says, the excess of apparel and the superfluity of unnecessary foreign wares, thereto belonging now of late years, is grown by sufferance to such an extremity that the manifest decay of the whole realm generally is likely to follow. So basically, the fact that all of these countries are doing amazing things with dyes and fabrics, we're importing them. It's going to ruin the entire country. That is ridiculous. I know. And she also goes on to say, but also particularly the wasting and undoing of a great number of young gentlemen. So oh, she's kind of yeah. saying these lads are going out and spending much more than they can afford on fabrics. Therefore, we're putting this in place and we're basically helping you to help. You know, we're helping you to help us, help us, help you kind of thing. God, it's, you know, if there was such a hoo-ha in Parliament about fabric, about what you wear on your own back, mm. it'd be so mental today, wouldn't it? But- I know. God. But I mean, I suppose there, there is still that thing, you know, you go to Parliament and there are certain things you wear and certain things you can't wear. And, you know, there is still well, an element. There of, is still a bit of an etiquette when it comes to wearing. Yeah, I mean, to, to a whole variety yeah. of places. I mean, yeah. there's not legally enforceable, maybe, but uh, I mean, I don't know about the House of Commons or House of Lords. I, I think I don't think you're allowed to wear denim in there. I think that's a whether that's legally enforceable. I'm not sure. Yes, but gosh, I mean, that is a quote and a half, isn't it? That's yeah. almost like, um, you know, we will fight them on the beaches. It's kind of, of yeah. Got that, uh, that element, isn't it, behind it? We will fight them in the breaches. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's, 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 it's just interesting that this is in law about what you can and can't wear. And there's all sorts of different dyes. So you've got purple dye, um, the kind of the rich, deep indigo dye as well, which just comes in from India. You've got... Um, I don't know about the red dye, the cochineal beetle. Oh, is that from the coral? Um, no, it's from little beetles, but there is a coral as well that, that does, I think, a slightly more orangey one. But the cochineal beetle, where literally you, you would collect the beetles up and grind them down, and that mm. makes your really bright red, the cochineal red. Um, there, are, You know, it's, it's insects. There's saffron as well that's used for, um, for dyeing. And, of course, we know saffron is still really expensive now. So it gives you a kind of sense of this, um, of this sort of thing. So these laws are vast... And really quite hilarious. And and there's about, they break it down into kind of seven different categories, social categories and this kind of thing. So there are so many different options, but I want to run you through a couple of different bits and pieces. And of course, there are men and women, different rules for both of them. But for men, um, so I said purple is mainly for the royal family and close relations. Occasionally, a duke or a uh, a marquis, although often they are actually related as well. They can have some... Bits of their outfit can be purple, not the whole thing, but things like um, your your jerkin or your hose, possibly. And the same for gold. So gold, silver, silk, all of this kind of thing. So upper class and aristocratic only. And there's also regulations on the size of the neck ruffs. Mm. Now, of course, famously, Elizabeth, you know, the Shakespeare era, the, the neck ruff is, is a big thing and they're quite a fashion statement. So the size of these and other different, you know, bits of random fashionable attire are regulated as well. Mm, I'm just thinking of um, Black Adder, <coughs> you know, with, um, Rowan Atkinson. There's yeah. uh, when they have the Elizabethan era and they're yeah. wearing their different size ruffs around their neck to show their status. Exactly, and it kind of goes, you know, that's that's the way it goes. One of the things I love as well is. She really tries, Elizabeth tries to kind of bolster the wool trade in England because wool has always been a very important trade um, in England. And it is, there is one, well, one day a week, Sundays and holidays, so high days and holidays, where 
any man over the age of six would have to wear a woolen hat. Mm, yes, I've heard that. Or a woolen cap. Um, the, the, the upper classes are exempt from that, but, you know, everybody else. So, again, it's, you know, even if you're a, a poor surf or peasant, you've got to have your wool caps for Sundays. And I think that this is where we kind of get our, you know, idea of Sunday best and, you know, all the particular fancy attire for, for certain engagements and that sort of thing. Um Again, you know, things like velvet and fur are particularly reserved for the rich. And there's even um, laws on buttons and, and stockings and all kinds of things that are, are particularly um, for the people who are attending the Queen as well. Um, only knights and barons and men who hold a high rank in the Queen's court are allowed spurs, swords and daggers. Mm. So... You know, and there are stories as well, um, whether how true they are, but stories of, you know, young, young lads coming into London and having their swords measured before they come into London to make sure that they are of the requisite length, depending on their status. It's just hilarious. I think it's absolutely funny that they're... Yeah, like uh, to know exactly, you know, if somebody's walking in and they're holding a particular accessory or something, you yeah. know where to put them. Yeah. Because um, I, I guess... You know, if you think about people and what they wear today, as you said in Parliament, you know, we kind of have it where, you know, you see people, I don't know, wearing a, a baseball cap and yeah. holding a skateboard and I don't know, certain kind of attires for different people. Yeah. And even think about, you know, when you go for afternoon tea in certain places, there are dress codes. And this is kind of where it all comes from. You know that if you see somebody in a tuxedo, chances are they're probably not as likely to be working class as they are to be upper middle class or aristocracy you know if you're tootling around st james in a tuxedo is that kind of thing you can still you know make a, a little bit of a guess depending on what people are wearing it's yeah. it's and it all kind of stems from this there's also limits on how much people can spend on clothes as well oh okay oh yeah so aristocrats are allowed to spend a maximum of 100 pounds a year which is still quite a lot of money mm. um but an ordinary person uh, or kind of low ranking maximum of 40 pounds a year so right there you are also saying look you know you're not allowed to spend as much you, you can't afford the, the expensive stuff anyway so it's all these ways of just keeping people in the in the right in the right zone i think it's hilarious yeah so if they i don't know if they were able to get a little bit more money i guess they wouldn't dare spend it on things that they know no exactly make them stand out yeah and there are also um certain times as well there are limits on you have to earn above this much in order to be able to spend this much if that makes sense so you've mm. you know you have to have an income of, of this amount in order to be able to spend the upper amount on clothes so it's yeah it's really controlled were, like you know these kind of underground clubs where you know they Ooh. say that you know if you pay pay a couple of pennies come in i've got these you know beautiful ball gowns you can put them on you know for the night and i won't tell anybody or the opposite you know you could have someone with lots of wealth wanting to kind of feel what it's like to wear fabric that yeah. isn't expensive yeah but this is the thing you know you often hear in in like shakespeare plays and stuff somebody goes oh i'm gonna disguise myself and then they just put on a cloak a bit kind of yeah. superman-y and like take your glasses <laughs> off and suddenly people don't know who they are and actually that to us that's like that's insane that's mad you can still see it's them but realistically it does make sense because if you suddenly if you're this kind of earl or whatever and you're suddenly wearing a a peasant's cloak people just aren't going to look at you mm. in the same way they're going to look at you and go he's a peasant 
just on based on what he's wearing. Mm. So while it seems completely mad to us, it actually makes a little bit more sense. Absolutely. And I'm just thinking of like paintings as well, you know, especially around that time in the 16th, 17th century. It's so easy to kind of see someone's status by mm. the, the different clothes they're wearing, yeah. the different kind of fabrics and the colours exactly. as well, as you said, with the dyes. Yeah, exactly. So for women, of course, there are rules as well. And generally... Um, they are dressed according to the position of their, either their father or their husband, whoever owns them at that point in time. Um, wives and daughters of servants are not allowed to wear veils that cost uh, more than 12 pence. Oh. Um, if you are the wife of a kind of handicraft, like a, a you know, worker, somebody who, who you know, makes stuff, you're not allowed to wear silk veils. Um, if you uh, you're only allowed to wear fur if you're the wife of a knight. And the knight has to have a rental income above 200 marks a year. A mark wasn't actually a, um, a, a, a form of currency, but it was about two thirds of a pound. So talking about um, 150, 140 pounds a year. So again, he you can only wear that fur if your husband earns over a certain amount per year. It's just baffling because it's completely baffling. How, they, how they police this. I mean, you know, for someone to go up to somebody wearing a veil and saying, how much did your veil cost? Yeah. Because it looks to me that it might have cost you, what, 14p instead of 12p. Um, well, this know, is like... and this is the thing is that realistically, it's very hard to police. And what they haven't got is the, the fashion police um, going out there and, and arresting people with veils that look slightly more expensive. So <laughs> realistically, it's not it's not massively enforceable because for a lot of it the people realistically this is all made to control the middle classes not the lower classes because the lower classes can't afford all this stuff anyway mm -hmm. so for them it's not so much of a problem it's more the middle classes and the people seeking to sort of rise they want to make sure that there is that distinction between the nobility and the middle classes because of course if you are middle class and you are dressing the same way as the nobility what the nobles are going to think is hang on I am, I'm the boss around here. Mm. I'm the guy that tells you to pay me taxes, to go to war on my behalf. And if you look the same as me, I've kind of lost a little bit of that, that power. Yeah, you, know, you look absolutely. to me for the power and the, and the, yeah, the sort of the oomph. And if, if suddenly you're able to buy the same stuff as me and look the same as me, when I tell you to jump, you are not going to listen anymore. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It puts them on a pedestal. It's like yeah, that pyramid effect, isn't it? They're right on the top. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so realistically, the it's hard to police, but there are um, there are penalties for it. So you can be fined um, and you can actually get quite a hefty fine. And it, it's not just for wearing the wrong thing. But if you are, say, a tailor or someone making hosiery or whatever, and you are contravening the regulations so basically you are selling the wrong stuff to the wrong people you can be fined as well right. um if you are wearing the wrong thing you can be fined anything up to about 200 marks so that again is about 140 pounds in old money um and people tailors and things like that who are selling the wrong stuff or making the wrong things um can be fined up to about 40 pounds which of course is going to take a massive toll on your industry as well if you can't pay that or you don't want to pay that then you are no longer allowed to work in your mm. professions as a tailor. So realistically, they are going to sort of go with those laws as much as possible. But also it's, it's quite a good money raising exercise mm. as, as much as it is 
for keeping everyone in line. It's quite a good way for the Elizabethan government and everybody to, to, to raise money is to enforce fines for all of this. Mm. Well, it's bonkers, isn't it? Like yeah. to open your wardrobe and think that there are a couple of items because even, you know, the middle class, they might have, however they got it, you know, might have been a, a hand-me-down from a relative or something, something hanging in the wardrobe that they can't wear because they'd get in trouble and, and fined for. Yeah. Do you imagine? Hmm. You know, you sort of save up, buy yourself a nice leather jacket and you're walking down the street and someone goes, uh, excuse me, you are far too scummy to actually wear that. I'm going to chuck <laughs> yeah. you in prison. Yeah, exactly. It'd be awful. But I, I wonder if there was like a few people that were fantastic sewers or just they might have had some really horrible fabric but the way they put it together they just look stunning and wore this dress you know uh, they, it, they... it would still be the quality of the fabric though it's still you know that's ah, so. yeah, that would be no, yeah. and, and colors and things so that would be fine you know mm. Um, mm. and realistically everybody is going to be sewing amazingly back then because as well fabric uh, when you you make a dress um, or a garment back then when the garment has you know been used to, to the sort of the extent of, of how it can be used the fabric is reused it's not it's very much not a fast fashion thing that we're in now where once you've once it's sort of worn out you chuck it away they would uh, fabric would actually be handed down as heirlooms generation to generation and it can then be repurposed into things as and when it gets worn out but a lot of these garments are very hard wearing beautifully made so people would be wearing dresses that would be handed down and at the point where the fabric came became too thin in a certain area that the garment would be taken apart and remade into something else so you won't be having scraps of fabric going spare you won't be having um like i do upstairs a sort of a, a stash of fabric that i can make stuff out of the fabric itself is as much important uh, is as important as the garment um so it's it's a really intriguing way of looking at fashion mm. and, and all that sort of thing so a really great way of, of sort of showing how some of the um punishments could happen one of the rules was that in fact i'm going to read it to you because it's quite specific no englishman other than the son and heir apparent of a knight or he that hath yearly revenues of 20 pounds or is worth in goods 200 pounds shall wear silk in or upon his hat cap night gap night cap scabbard hose shoes or spur leathers if he does forfeiture of 10 pounds for every day and imprisonment by three months so if you're found yeah if you're found like wearing any uh, silk in any of those things in your nightcap for goodness sake i was gonna say in your nightcap where no one no you're scabbard for your flipping sword can you imagine being like you know having this kind of silky nightcap in the bottom and just being like oh it's thursday night i'm gonna be a bit naughty yeah (laughs) i know in comes the the fashion police Uh kept that silky cap off now i know that your only your yearly revenue is 19 pounds not 20 therefore (laughs) pay your pajamas get that pay pay 10 pounds a day and be in prison for three months i mean that's crazy absolutely crazy it is but But, i bet that that silk felt damn good i mean i bet it did or in the scabbards of your... I mean, the thing is, also, the, the, the law also covered what you dress your horses in as well. Oh, so you're going to dress your horses in certain things. I mean, it's, oh, it's really quite wide-ranging. know that the horses are a yeah. class as well. Poor bloody horses. I know, poor horses being subject to the English class system, yeah. bless them. <laughs> um, but as well as this, if you are a nobleman or a, you know, of any standing and you have servants as well, the servants, what they do, can also come back onto you as well. So if you have a servant that is not abiding by the rules, and you know that, we have to fire him within 14 days, and you're not allowed to rehire him within a year. And if you do, you have to pay £100. 
And so, sorry, what what has the servant done? So if the servant has gone against the, the sumptuary laws, if he's worn something, Ooh, then he's it's not supposed it, to. It's a bit like the tailor. So if you don't, if hmm. you keep him on and you don't fire him within fourteen days, you're yeah. going to get in trouble. Yes, and he will as well. But you'll you'll have to end up firing him, and you're not allowed to take him back for a year. God, I know. Like, look, I'm, I know. You know, really sorry about this, but you can't wear those shoes. So yeah. uh, you're gonna have to hop. I've, I've noticed you've got a bit of silk in your scabbard. How about you, young man? <laughs> And there's a couple of really good examples of um, of men who went against this dress code. Um, in 1565, there was a guy called Richard Wall. I'm going to say Wallane. It's a bit of a weird spelling. I'm not quite sure how you say uh, the name, but I'm going to go for Wallane. And he was detained for, and get this, I love this phrasing, a very monstrous and outrageous great pair of hose. Oh my gosh, what on earth did those trousers well, look like? This Monster. is it, we don't know, we don't know. They didn't actually, the, the, the record of it doesn't say what they found particularly outrageous or I monstrous about I wonder if he had it. like his bottom, like, you know, two circles cut out. Oh, that would have been brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> be like, there's a lack of fabric, you're fine. But there is um, a, a, a historian who reckons that she might have an idea what it was. So she reckons that he might have padded his calves. Do you know about this? Ooh, padded his calves. Yeah. My mind immediately goes to RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> in, in their trousers. I mean, it's, well, it's not a million miles away. So for I mean, the best part of probably 300 years or so, it's kind of 15, two to 300 years, 1500s through to 17 somethings, the sexiest part of a man's body was considered to be a shapely calf. You know, whenever you, you see those portraits of Henry VIII and all of his ilk, and they're standing there, and they've got one foot out to the right, and you can see the bend of their calf. Oh, yes, and they've got, yes, because they're uh, their breeches, their hosiery. Yeah, exactly. Is it hosiery? hosiery? It's their hose, yeah. Their hose. And yeah. um, it goes up to the knee, doesn't it? Yeah. And then, yeah, as you say, it exposes that. Hello, ladies. Hello, calf. And so you could pad your calves to give you I mean a bit like you say RuPaul's Drag Race the kind of chicken fillets in the bra type thing yeah, yeah, but in yeah. your calves but, in your but only if you are the, a certain rank so if you are a servant or somebody's considered a bit you know of the meaner or lowlier um, ranks you're not allowed to but if you are if you are higher up then you are allowed to and this chap it would seem may not have been of the right level in order to pad his calves he was obviously thinking I feel like I'm going to get lucky. I'm going to do a little bit of uh, cheeky calf padding. And well, somebody went, know. wait a minute, you're far too scummy for that. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, bend down here for a second and give your calf a good old poke. Yep, that's definitely yeah. got padding. That is not you. Yeah. Wow. And the amount you could pad them also was was um, regulated. I mean, it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, he he got um, he, he was arrested. And um, I don't know if he had to pay a fine or not, that chap, but definitely um, did not go unnoticed and in 1576 there was a chap who was sent to prison um when it was discovered that um it doesn't say how how they discovered it but it says he was wearing a cut taffeta doublet and a great pair of galagastian hose under his gown galagastian is like really kind of baggy and enormous oh okay so they kind of go out to the side and then they come down yeah What's, what was the first thing you said um, a cut taffeta doublet. So taffeta is one of those very fancy um, fabrics. So it may, may not have, have passed muster for, for wearing the taffeta. Whoa. Yeah. And somebody else a few years later um, present, was presented in front of the Privy Council um, in what they described as an apparel unfit for his calling uh, with extreme great ruffs. Extreme. Extreme, extreme great, great ruffs. ruffs. 
And what they did is they fired him. They stay. They they dismissed him from the Privy Council and they recommended that he get fired as well. <gasps> so like just wearing the wrong thing could get you fired, imprisoned, fined. It was literally a criminal offence to look good. Just bonkers. I know. I love it. I know. It's wonderful, isn't it? Now, there are a couple of get out of jail free clauses. And this is for people who, uh, if there are certain things that you can get away with wearing stuff that you shouldn't be wearing. For example, um, if you are an earl or a duke and you've got servants who have a livery and your livery is a colour that theoretically they shouldn't be wearing if it's part of the of the uniform you've given them that's okay um if it is part of your sort of servant group and, and you need them to wear something specific then you get a free pass for that um also one of the key ones to be uh, exempt from this for certain things are actors because if they are doing plays and they are depicting kings and all this on stage they have to look the part yes. so for when they're acting of course, you know, if, if they're on stage and you we talk about Shakespeare and the fact that you have people sort of disguising themselves, that is going to mean a massive amount to people watching in that time. If you've got the king on stage in a purple gown who then changes into a, a normal, you know, that's going to have so much more of a, of a big appeal. So actors for, for that kind of thing would be allowed... Um, yeah, get out of jail free card. Wow, I bet that was wonderful. You know, especially if you if you got a the role as the queen or I mean, wouldn't you feel fabulous? Yeah. Like, oh my god, my dressing wardrobe. above your station. Wow, I love that. It would be so so good. Yeah. Now the whole thing kind of falls apart when James the first comes in. Oh right, uh, who comes in after Elizabeth? He basically his first meeting after he gets gets the job as king. Um, he sort of rescinds all of the different acts of apparel that had been instituted by Elizabeth and Mary and Henry. And we mustn't forget as well that for Elizabeth, she's a woman on the throne, and the first time that that's ever happened properly was her sister Mary before her. So mm. this is a massive upheaval for for the government, for um, well the, the the monarchy, for everybody that there's a woman on the throne. So. For Elizabeth, it's yet another way of being able to assert her dominance as queen mm. through fashion. Because as we know, for Elizabeth, the golden era, it's a really big um, in, you know, era of, of all sorts of stuff um, happening. We've got arts and theatre and all this kind of thing. And fashion is one of them. So if you are then able to kind of restrict people due to fashion, it's just another way of being able to assert your dominance as a poor and feeble woman on the throne. But James doesn't need that. He he kind of gets rid of it all. He's got other ways to, to prove himself as king. And he's a man, so he doesn't need quite as much as that. And then throughout the next couple of hundred years, the odd little um, law would come in. Laws around sort of um, things like the right size of hats for apprentices doing things. And, and a lot of it is to do with importing goods from abroad, like Spanish leather and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But realistically, Elizabethan sumptuary is where it kind of it reaches its zenith. And you've got this fabulous stuff going on. Uh, so there we go that is a little bit it's, a, it's very very complex and there's an awful lot more um to elizabethan sumptuary than i've talked about but i just think it's fascinating it that is. ability to control a whole country and a whole class system by legally restricting colors fabrics all that sort of thing yeah and it's just that immediate visual aid of where that person sits where yeah. is their rank um, wow. Oh, I love that, Alex. Well, there we go. Thank you so much. That was, yeah. Um, yeah, very visual, very, um, very colourful. And I just can't stop thinking about that man with his padded calves. I know. Like, can you imagine if he, like, if he pulled that night, got I know. hers, 
Yeah. And she's like, you can take your tights off. And it's like, mm, rather keep them on. And she's yeah. like, well, that's going to be a bit awkward. I've got a few yards of fabric in my calves. <laughs> yeah, tights come off and suddenly... But honestly, it, it will packed. ruin you for looking at portraits of people in this era for you know, a good few hundred years. When you look at them and you'll see they're standing facing you, but there's one leg out to the right. And especially as the, the tunics kind of get shorter and shorter, you get more and more leg. And you sit there and you go... You'll see them and you'll go, oh, yeah, look, look at his calf. Whoa. It's, I'm going to have to have a good old It will ruin now. portraits for you. I can you tell you that now. Protrude out like a uh-huh. like the handle of a cup. Yeah. I mean, Henry VIII's portraits, he, he does have some very, very pronounced calves. Mm. Um, mm. Because, of course, you know, he's uh, he's definitely got a little bit of PR going on about his virility. So uh, definitely. He definitely passed it tell you all about that. Um Wow, there you go. Well, thank uh-huh. you so much, Alex. That was my pleasure. Cool. So it's a tricky one to talk about, but it's been on my list for a while. So actually, I'm quite glad that you uh, you picked it for me um, because yeah. it, I think it's really fun. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, when you start to look at things, at the fashion of that era, and you start to go, oh, yeah, look. It's amazing mm. what, what, what it sort of reveals. Yeah, and how it's kind of um, tumbled forward and, um, you know, how we think of fashion. And I, I, I guess, like, I went to the Grosvenor, uh, Grosvenor Hotel years ago. I was like in my early 20s and I got invited and I thought, God, I'm going to be so out of place here. This is, you know, what the hell am I going to wear? And like, I just, I wore like this dress that I got from this charity shop, but I thought that it it looked nice and it was yeah. like quite nice fabric. And I felt so out of place because Aww. when I got there, it just, the dress just did not, It, you know what I mean? When you put something on, you just feel like you yeah. shouldn't be there. And it's crazy, isn't it? Because... You know, it shouldn't matter. But I guess through time, where you are, you know, you have to wear certain things. And it's, yeah, and you, it, it's kind through. of what you see, like that reverberates down through in, into modern day. Like you say, you know, you've got to wear the right thing at the right event. Otherwise, you do feel a bit out of place or that thing of, oh, I'm overdressed, I'm underdressed, all that sort of thing. Yeah, or trying it, to like, you know, I was like faking it and thinking, you know, <laughs> oh, you know, it's probably, it's going to seem like I, you know, I, I, I'm actually staying in one of the rooms or, oh yes, I've been here a million times before. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like trying to put yourself in, <laughs> in that box that is not you. Yeah. Um, but brilliant. Thank you, Alex. Yay. That was wonderful. My pleasure. Podcast pedestal. So what are you going to go for Ooh. for your podcast pedestal? It's a tricky one this week because it, it, there's not so many kind of actual things to have happened in there. But there's a couple of good bits and pieces that I think link into, you know, where all the rules come from. I think I'm going to have to go for go padded calves. the padded calves. Yeah, I think that's a great one. <laughs> Were you going to go for that one? Well, it, it was it was on my list. Um, but I, oh, now I'm... I actually quite like the whole woolen caps on Sundays. Oh yes, that is a good I one. I quite like that because I love that thing of going there's you know it's it's multifold. It's I'm telling you what to wear. You have to wear caps on a Sunday and on a holiday. That's it. That's the law. Mm. The upper echelons don't have to bother with it. And I'm doing it to try and bolster the wool industry in the country. So I it sort of it, it yeah, goes in with all of the the mad yeah, all, all the different bits, yeah, all the mad rules and all the reasons why. Yeah. So I think I'm going to go for the for the woolen cap on Sundays. That's a really good one, especially like you know, because you can imagine being in a church on a Sunday in the summer. It's roasting, and yeah. you've all got to wear these like woolly. Well, you take your hat off in the church, of course. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But you'd still have to wear it on a Sunday, you know. And realistically, Sunday is your only day off as a worker. It's the yeah. only day you actually get off, and it's not really off. It's because you're going to to Sunday service. 
Um, and you're still being told what to do on that one day where you get a little bit more freedom. Right. Well, there you go. Right. Yeah. So it's woolly cap for you. Yep. Um, padded car for me. Oh, sexy options. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Great. Oh, so there we go. Those are your choices, everybody. Hashtag um, you can fight them on the breaches. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was, it was an open goal. I had to go for it. <laughs> no, I, I took it. I took it. Um, Amazing. Fab. The Wheel of Destiny. So, time for the wheel. Time for the wheel. It's your choice next week. It is. Um, Exciting. I'm just going to go for Alex. All right, give it a go. Okay, here we go. And it's landed in Bloomsbury. Bloomsbury again. Bloomsbury. Quite a lot of stuff in Bloomsbury lately, haven't we? Yeah. Um, Although I believe somebody put a request in for the Russell Square Hotel. Yes. um, That was Hannah, um, who is one of my uh, sort of online buddies. And she uh, requested... Um, she was walking through uh, Russell Square the other day. Actually, it's not the Russell Hotel anymore. It's called the Kempton Fitzroy Hotel, I think. Yeah. And she requested a little bit of history on that. And there is some great history there. Yeah. So you're, so, you're up for doing that one. Yeah, I'm up for doing that. Because I think, you know, if anybody out there, if you've got any anything that you want us to kind of talk about, then, yeah, please let us know. I mean, and- I've had a couple in this week of people um, giving us some things they want to talk about. So they've got yeah. on the list. And as soon as we, something comes up, we can chat about them. Yeah. We, we'll do it. We'll do it, definitely. So, yeah, perfect. Let's do that. Challenge yeah, brilliant. Accepted. Challenge accepted. Cool. Uh, there we go, Hannah. And Hannah loves the, the phrase, new pants, please. So we're going to have to try and get that in there for our next oh, week. Oh, great. I'll work, get that in there. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful well that's exciting um i'll look forward to that for next week and hopefully next week we'll have some more um information about uh what we've been up to with the bbc which is rather exciting and don't forget that we still we do our blog every week we're doing a blog to accompany the podcast so uh this week there will be uh, some pictures of some um you know some of these these things on the uh on the blog on ladieswholondon.com so do go and have a little look and each week we're updating that for the podcast that's coming out that week so go and enjoy on there as well nice um, I just want to say, if you can hear my baby in the background, I haven't just left her crying. My partner is with her. <laughs> just wanted to point out that. Bless her. Bless her. <laughs> Lovely. Well, uh, I think that's it for this week. Thank yeah. you all for listening. Thank you for coming back. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still, like I said, I still can't quite laugh very well, but uh, we're getting there. And hopefully next week we'll be back to, back to fighting fit. Um, but we'll see you all next week. Have a wonderful week. Take care, everyone. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.